Hi, this is Dustin from Curb and Turf. You're listening to The Recurring Plot, which talks about all things RVs and how to make more recurring income from your property. Today, we're excited to have Jed on the show with us. Thanks for joining us today, Jed. Hi, Dustin. So for those that don't know you, Jed, why don't you just give a brief introduction about yourself? I'm Jed Smith. I'm a developer at Curb and Turf, so I work with Dustin on a regular basis. Yeah, so we pretty much know each other, and we're pretty much family, and we'll get into that. So where are you from? I spent most of my life um, here in Payette, Idaho, um, which is actually where Curb and Turf is headquartered, is in the Payette. I'm from Payette as well, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? Uh, So my wife and I, we have four kids, two boys and two girls, so pretty balanced. I suppose when I was growing up and there's two boys and five girls, so we never won when it was selecting movies. So I did a lot of things a lot away of music. from the TV. <laughs> yeah, so probably a lot of musicals in your family, if I remember right. Musicals, <laughs> yeah. A lot of like, what a Gene Audrey? Gene Audrey? Gene Kelly? Gene, Gene Audrey. Oh. Yeah, like and stuff. Anyway, so I that encouraged my brother and I to spend a lot of time outside. <laughs> Well, that's good. And those that probably sparked some of your interests. So what kind of what kind of interests do you have? I I have a lot of different interests. Like growing up, we I like I said, my brother and I would spend a lot of time in outside. In fact, my family, like my mom's parents, they had a ranch here in Payette. And growing up we'd spend quite a bit of time out there playing in the little creek that ran through their property, you know, building dams and trying to make rafts out of cattails and stuff that never actually worked, but it was, it was lots of fun. And so that was when you're younger, what kind of things do you like to enjoy in your adult life? Cause I remember that I remember doing fun things when I was a kid, like building forts and stuff like that. So what, what did that spark into anything in your adulthood? So there's, there's, there's a few things. We, I still enjoy spending time outside. We regularly, you know, once a month during the summer, we're normally out camping with my family. I also do some blacksmithing on the side for fun. We have a, our, the property that we own, it has a bunch of trees, a bunch of poplar trees that were planted years ago. And so cut those down and mill them into wood to make wood projects. So, you know, a lot of like, I guess the constructive properties. I'm not really design oriented, so I make stuff that has flat pieces of wood, but it, it's pretty fun. Didn't you even buy, you bought a mill? Is, yep. Didn't you? Yep. We, we have and I, we have a mill. It's like a bandsaw mill, so we can mill boards out of the poplar and the other trees that are in on the property to make whatever wood we want. Cool. And then... Do you have any kind of animals or anything else on your property or anything um, of interest? My wife, she raises llamas. I give her full credit for raising the llamas. And we also have a few chickens. Plus, we always get lots of deer traveling through the property, eating all of the garden or trees that we've planted for fruit. Haven't actually had a fruit right. tree grow all the way up yet <laughs> because of the deer. Oh, no. <laughs> right. That's true. I mean, cause you're, you're right near the river, right? Is yeah. This, the snake river. Yep. The snake river. And so we get a lot of deer migrating up through there into farmers fields and stuff. Yeah. Cause I, for those that don't know, Jed and I are actually 
cousins. I moved into my best friend's house when I was younger, which is actually Jed's cousin. So my best friend, I call him my brother, basically. And so Jed and I pretty much, we've known each other for over 20 years. So this property he's talking about is the same property he grew up. Well, why don't you tell that? Yeah. Because your family, you moved, right? Right. And so um, when I was, I think about 13, my grandpa, my dad's parents, so like both of my parents' parents lived in the Payette area. But we are actually um, on the other side of Idaho, down Pocatello area. And we moved up to Payette because dad transferred to the place he was working. He transferred up to one in the area. So when he transferred up there, he talked to my grandpa. And he sort of split up his land and sold several chunks of it to um, his kids. So my dad bought some and um, one of his brothers and actually his sister, um, Sandy, which which is... Um, yes, your mom, <laughs> right? That, and so he split that up. And so we bought that and we, we built our house um, when I was 13 to 14 during, you know, during the summer and when, what time we had, I spent a lot of time working on building the house. And then when my dad retired, we ended up buying the house from them and taking over it. And we still have like built an apartment for them in the garage, half of the garage so that they have a place they my parents can stay when they're not traveling, but they like to travel a lot. So they're often not around, but it, it's nice having the same place that we grew up in. So that was one of the fun things when I remember growing up is going over to your house because you guys also had the dock. Uh, yep. did, yeah, you had the dock that went into the, the river at that time. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, your brother was in gym, into g- gymnastics. So you guys kind of had the whole almost the whole upstairs was just an adventure for me, at least like just c- kind of cool things, things that your brother would use for training. Like I remember the pommel horse, you guys had rings, right? right. I think yep. you still, and then there's just this big, just open area. And then it's really cool. Not only that, they had a client, they still have a climbing wall. So yep. there's the climbing wall. So really you can come from an active family you know, not only, you know, where you have sisters in your family, where you probably were staying away from certain things, like you mentioned earlier, and that sparked you to probably explore other things, like whether it's the outdoors and, and things like that, which I think is cool. Your brother kind of did the same thing where he was into gymnastics. He was in his own thing. Yeah, yeah we, it was fun. It was fun times. I remember those. Yeah, yeah it was good. We also started playing some computer games i remember playing with i forget who all it was but i remember waking up at like four o'clock in the morning i forget why we were doing it to play i don't even remember what game it was we we're playing a game so we'd hop on and play play on the internet with like i remember at least your brother did it a couple of times and i was just like oh. <laughs> i i still don't know yeah. why we did that <laughs> so for those that were we're like most of the guys are nerds in our family too. Not, I mean, not that it's not a bad thing. We, I, it sparked what we kind of do today and that we're going to go into that. And it kind of sparked, probably planted the seeds of what some of the things that you enjoy, what you do for work, you know, a more technical side, com- obviously dealing with computers. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? What Talk about your role 
at Curb and Turf. How did you get started, for one? How did it present yourself? Kind of tell you tell the origin story about what you do now, I guess. Let's see. Where where did it start? So I like I've been a programmer for quite a few years. When I was a teenager, I started doing some programming. And um, then after college, I thought I wanted to do teaching. So I taught for a year and decided that wasn't for me. And then I switched back into programming. So I've, I've been programming full time since 2009. And then a few years ago, I signed up for a class in the area that like how to start or grow a, your own business. And during that, I met Aaron Rollins. I think he was more there to be like sort of a mentoring role because he definitely had the whole business thing figured out. But he, you know, I, I met him there and talked about his his idea for Curb and Turf. And that eventually led to, you know, me starting to work there for him. So I've been there from the beginning of Curb and Turf, like as far as the actual development of the project, you know, Aaron had spent, you know, a year or two working out kind of what he wanted out of Curb and Turf. So I've, I've been there from the beginning. I've taken the role of like the, I'm the lead the developer planning out, you know, how things are going to work, what we need to do to make it work. And I created the first iteration all by myself, basically with just talking with Aaron and looking at the market. And then, you know, once I got to there, I being the developer and not the designer, I was looking at it. I'm like, yeah, even though this is functional and would work, we're not going to be able to convince anyone to use it. So that's when we started looking for designers. And we, we interviewed quite a few. I was able to talk Dustin into it, or I guess I talked to your, your, da- your dad or brother. I forget actually how it was that we was able to convince you to come in an interview for it. But Yeah, it's interesting. So I'll... I'll tell you, cause I don't think I told this story yet on any of the podcasts. So Jed was pretty much doing everything, you know, like he mentioned, it was like also the design part, which um, everything was functioning the way it's supposed to, because uh, that's what Jed does. Everything functions the way it's supposed to, which is great. So he, they had a good base. And for those that, well, how about, can you describe what Curb and Turf is for those, maybe their first time listeners? What What's Curb and Turf exactly? So... Curb and Turf is basically like Airbnb, but instead of finding houses or rooms you can stay in, it's about finding places where people with RVs can spend the night in their RV, you know, where they can they can go there, they can spend the night, spend the day or a couple of days, um, you know, sort of like as hosts, so landowners can host their site to RVers to come and stay for a visit. So, and this is a market that's obviously been booming the last five years at least. And then just because there's tons of RV tons of RVs being sold, being manufactured, but just not enough places for them to go. So there's a huge need for RVers for the places for the, where they need to stay at. So, so there's that need. And then there's also people that just want to have more independence, right? So if, if you do ha- have land or anything and you're able to host, host RVers, they love those experiences because they are willing to have adventures. They're looking to go out and they're generally, they're confined into their own space because they're in their RV. Right. So, so again, when I was, so it was my dad that told me about it. 
I was working for a big grocery chain that's headquartered in Boise. I think there's, yeah, maybe a big one that is headquartered in, in Boise. And that's the one that I was working with. And I was actually, um, doing a lot of their national campaigns for, for sales and for their in, in-store signage. And I did a bunch of stuff. It was just, I, I was getting to a point where I was getting frustrated. I didn't like the whole corporate aspect of my job. Cause I wasn't like, I just felt like I was a cog basically. And it, at this time it was getting, I was literally in a meeting with my boss's boss where he was like, Hey, is everything good? And then I, I'm like, yeah, everything's fine. Like I was, there's just miscommunication and I hope that everyone's on the, it is a big drama fest. Anyways, at the same time, my, my phone is buzzing in my pot, in my pocket and it's my dad. And so he left a voicemail. I get out of the meeting because I'm, I'm about to go on vacation. This is like November 2000. I can't remember 2018 or 19. I yeah. can't remember. One of those. I can't, I can't remember. It's they all it yeah. So my dad, I listened to this voicemail. My dad's like, "Hey, there's this guy that moved from California into to Payette and that's Aaron who you're talking about. And he's looking to start a business. Why don't you talk to him?" I was like, "I'm not interested in a job." And but long story short, I ended up talking with Aaron probably for a couple hours. I went in there and it's and their head, our headquarters in, is actually in the middle of nowhere. Literally, is like you have to, like, pay it is kind of isolated, but enough. But we're all like, you have to, don't you have to drive like 10, 15 minutes just to get to work, right? Yep, yep. It's about uh, 10, 15 minutes from Payette. And I live outside of Payette right. on the other side of Payette from Winter, <laughs> So <laughs> it takes right. me about 25 minutes to get there. Right. So the cool story, long story short, he told me his idea, what he was trying to do. They show me what they had. They show me their competitors. I was like, well, this is what their competitors are doing correctly, what they're doing wrong. I ended up coming on, which was a great opportunity because I wanted to, that was ultimately what I wanted to do was do UX UI design. But then like, I believe in the product, obviously we believe in, we obviously believe in curb and turf. That's one of the reasons why we do the podcast. One of the reasons why we are being so proactive uh, going outside of our job or whatever and trying to promote it again. It's, it's a cool story. Like there's a whole, like a lot of things that end up happening to where I was able to work with Jed. We started developing, well, Jed started developing the website based on the designs and a lot of the designs were kind of antiquated at that time. So we ended up kind of going through three versions of the website from what it currently is right now. Cause there's the jet Jed's version, then my first version, then we had a the second version of that. So yeah. So what tell tell me about your favorite part of your job. Well what what do you like doing what you do? So what I really like doing is when working on like as a developer, my favorite part of the development is I guess fixing problems so like actually like when i have a list of bugs on the prod project like that people found that i need to fix like i actually really like that going through and checking off things once they're fixed or fixing like more general problems by creating the product but it's like for me it's more about fixing problems than it is about building something so curb and turf it fixes a problem 
by connecting people to, you know, people together, people who own land and people who have RVs, you know, so it fixes that problem. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, but when I have a, I guess my favorite part is the days when I have, um, have something that I need to figure out that takes, you know, some, it's going to take some brain power to figure out what specifically needs to happen. But it's like the days when everything's just, I'm just in the flow and everything's working and I get there to work and then it's time to leave. And I'm like, oh, you know, what happened to the day? <laughs> but th those are fine when things are just working right. And yeah, I'm just finding, finding solutions and making progress. Mm -hmm. That's part of the reason why I, I totally agree with you. That's part of the reasons why I signed up for the job because I saw an opportunity for one. And then two, the problem that he, we were, there, there was in the industry, like you're talking about, where there's just so many RVs being built, but not enough places for them to go. So having this platform like Curb and Turf, where you're having hosts on this platform where they can invite RVers onto their property and get paid for it. And it's, you know, you know, hosts are going to be making money and then RVers are going to have a place to stay. So it's basically, you know, solving a lot of people's problems. So when you have a solution for multiple problems, which it's just kind of neat. And then that in itself, there's problems within a problem, right? Because once we, you build the platform, like we've done, we've, there's hours and hours of development um, mm -hmm. and where we have to determine what's important for the end user. We have to know um, that base, both sides, hosts and RVers, travelers. So what kind of, how have you seen the platform grow on Curb and Turf? So when I first started working on the design, it was, you know, just very basic, you know, sort of just what you needed to know to, um, to get, I guess, you know, from point A to point B, the, just the minimum you need to connect things up. And since in some ways, in other ways, I had way too much information that I was trying to deal with and just, you know, the big wall of text and stuff that people had to answer to create the sum. So that's one of the, those things that you help fix a lot, but like it's, um, you know, so going from that to, to where it is now, you know, where the, we do have a lot of information that the hosts can enter to make it easier for the RVer, you know, a lot of details, like how to get there and, providing extra benefits like um, a la carte options and stuff. But, you know, the to actually just get the site listed and hosted, you know, you just really need a few pictures, a description of your site, and um, that that's pretty much all you really need to get it listed. So it's, so it's gone from, you know, sort of, I guess, started out really simple and I added a bunch of stuff and made it really complicated. And then we came in and we since then, you know, over the two iterations, we've got it down to where, you know, someone can enter in the information quickly to get their site up and listed so people can start finding them. But then they can add more if they have an interest in adding more and if they understand more as they work with yeah. more RVers and stuff. Yeah, I think it's, it's really cool to see kind of like the arc of everything or where we how we, where we started and where we are now. And then we're still, obviously we're always, we're continuing on developing. We're continuing on solving problems. We're always for, we're pretty much like a four man team 
three, mm-hmm. four or five. So we like, like it's impressive for, I, I hate to, well, we're, it's like a brag. We're kind of, but it's, it's a humble brag to where it, it, like for the amount of manpower that we have and what we've done, like it's, it's crazy because mm-hmm. there's companies that are 10 times bigger than us, more than that, that don't offer the same type of features, don't offer the same type of service that we offer. I mean, I could say that just because we, we study the market all the time and it's pretty, pretty awesome to see be, even being small. And, oh, and maybe you could talk about that. What's the benefit of having a small team in development versus um, having a larger team? So there's a couple of benefits. I mean, the the disadvantage is, you know, you can't, don't have as many people working on it and stuff. But the advantage of having a small team is that it's a lot easier to pivot. If, if something changes, you know, it, you don't have to get buy-in from 50 or 60 people or you know, from the leaders, and then they have to convince all of the, all of the teams to do it. So like able to change directions quicker when we realize something's not working. And also it's a lot easier to communicate. Um, so we can spend more time writing code and less time having to communicate with everyone to make sure that we're not breaking and stepping on each other's toes while working on it. So, I mean, those are some of the, the main advantages. Yeah. because. If you guys haven't heard our previous podcast, we had our second episode, we had Scott Henscheiding. He's in charge. He's the lead developer on the app. Mm-hmm. And then Jed is basically handles everything else, especially on the main website. So we, I completely agree. By having that small team, we're able to pivot a lot quicker. And that's one of the things I love about Curbin Turf is that we decide together what, what works. And not all the time we agree because... I, I tend to play devil's advocate a lot where I'm like, oh, maybe we should do this instead of that. And, but I, I, th- I think it's good th- that we, we work really well. And that, that's something I'm really proud of at Curb and Turf, that we have a team that's just so dedicated to what we're doing and that we believe wholeheartedly in what we're doing. So a lot of times, cause I come from a, a corporate environment where you kind of lose those interests or you kind of, you know, you, you just don't have that camaraderie or you it's just it, it's just different and, I, and i'm i'm really grateful that we have that on our team talk why don't you talk a little bit more about being a landowner how what are what's the best part about owning your property for you so you know like i mentioned earlier we bought this property from my parent i don't know 10 years ago or something but it, it's nice because we can do what we want with the land we can you know, I added a blacksmith shop just because we have llamas on our property. We have a bunch of trees. My parents planted them when, because that was the, I guess, sort of like the way to maximize your sales that people thought you can be able to make lots of money from, but never able to sell them. So could have lots of poplar trees that get it cut down and turn into lumber. So what's the hardest part about owning a property for you? The hardest part? It's probably just, you know, we have over 20 acres, we have llamas and chickens, and we have land that can be, that the llamas are on, and we have land that needs to be mowed, and we have fences that need to be maintained, and just sort of like general maintenance on the land constantly. I'd much rather be off plane than, you know, up in the mountains or 
doing blacksmithing or milling, milling or something rather than, you know, mowing and that sort of stuff. So that's probably right. the hardest. Like, I mean, I, I don't mind the work, but, you know, there there's other things I would rather do. And some of that yeah. comes with being next to the river. So, you know, if it floods <laughs> and stuff and yeah. Yeah. That's, <clears throat> yeah. That's, that's always been a worry. For, I mean, when like we worried about that. Cause when I was younger or even, even recently, like we had, you know, snowy snow years, like they're just wet years, I guess where there's a lot of moisture and then that runs into the, to the river. And then that runs right next to your property. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be stressful. Yeah. We've never actually had it get up to the house yet though. So it's always been like at least a couple feet away. And so, yeah, it has been, but then, you know, it brings in stuff that you have to clean up afterwards because the snake river is not a very clean river. No. When you guys are next to, so people that don't know, there's like a couple, there's a big island. I'm not sure what it's called now. It used to be called Nagaki Island. I'm not, mm-hmm. that's what we called it. And then there's on like a smaller island or a couple of small islands off right. near your property. Mm-hmm. And then I remember when I had a Jeep, I'm not, sh- I don't know if you know this. <laughs> <laughs> so dad took me down and we took my Jeep and we drove on that smaller Island, just kind of like, like went around. It was kind of, it was fun. Cause we had to like go through part of the river to get to it. Mm-hmm. It was when it was low, kind of like, I think it was towards the end of summer. And then, so we're able to make it up to the Island by vehicle and it was fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun too. Yeah. That yeah. would be fun. And then dad, dad was pushing me to do stuff. I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of iffy. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> and so, yeah. So yeah, your, your property is fun. And yeah, there's a lot of things to do. So obviously with working with curb and turf and having a, being a property owner, what, what do you think would be like the biggest value that a property owner could gain from curb and turf? If that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, well for me, probably, you know, more along the lines of, you know, just being able to make some extra money on the side and also, you know, cause seeing, seeing some of the land that otherwise wouldn't be used getting used for something because you know like i mentioned there's just because of the way our property is situated there's chunks of land that we really just can't do anything with and so you know having a place where you know our viewers could stay something that they can do and then also um, it gives an opportunity to you know i guess make money from some of the other things they can do on the property like milling like actually on curb and turf they have the a la carte options right so I added a couple of those, um, like just teaching people how to mill a log because, you know, I enjoy milling, but, you know, finding people who want anything that I mill or make from it is, is a bit of a chore. So, you know, having an excuse to show someone how to, you know, mill wood, like that's something I enjoy. Or, you know, if someone wanted to buy some from me, that'd be fine too. But, or even just like the llamas, you know, my like actually it's kind of cool just being you know owning land and having the llamas you know when you're out feeding the llamas um, like i'll be doing later today it's not too uncommon because the llamas all come right there but for people to slow down and almost stop just so they can look at the llamas or to get out just to see llamas because 
you know, people just love seeing llamas. <laughs> and so, you know, having experiences with llamas, another thing that I added as an a la carte option. That's, that's cool. And that's something, uh, that's something I really didn't think about is just that if there is a passion project that you have, you could share that with other guests or travelers, mm -hmm. you know, add that to the a la carte. And then you're sharing something that you love and then also getting, you know, potentially you could get income from that. Some, some people may offer that for like a free service. It depends on how you set it up. Right. Right. So you could set it up as if you want to make a little money and it, it might not be much or it might be a lot, whatever, you know, you decide to do with it. Cause there's tons of features with curb and turf that you could potentially implement with the a la carte options like you're saying whether it's having experiences you're teaching them a lesson giving tours there's a lot offering products so it the a la carte option is just a really great feature for for hosts especially to to gain gain money right mm -hmm. and they're able to have a side income besides just hosting rvers so we you know we definitely encourage anyone that's looking to host property to 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 fill out the a la carte option just because when especially RVers that when they go to a property they're looking for experiences mm -hmm. and they're looking to do things that, that's generally how they're planning their trip right so it's really important for for RVers to know what options are available and then if you're able to offer those you know whether it's fire firewood or whatever it is go ahead and offer those and then that will get more I'll track more travelers. I'll track more guests if that's what you're looking to do. Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, want to go the opposite, sometimes you just want to share your property and then just have, you know, get to know people, but not, you know, do the extra work. Like Jed was talking about, there's, there's extra work, but you're also getting, you know, he's, he's, he's sharing something that he loves and but he could potentially earn money off that also, which right. is kind of cool. Yeah, and I think for both of those, I, 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 I do charge a little bit, but basically just enough to, you know, weed out people who aren't actually interested from those who really do have an interest in the subject. Right. And it, right. And it's also your time too, mm -hmm. you know, even though you probably enjoy doing it, you're still, you know, at least you're getting some costs from your time too. So, yeah. and there's probably materials and stuff that go into that. So, yeah, I think, so anyone that's looking to do that sort of thing, we have just go to our website. It's www.curbandturf.com and you'll be able to sign up as a host. We have a hosting page on the website, or you could also go to any of the app stores. If you go to the Google play store or the Apple store, you'll be able to, to download our app. What are, what are some other cool features that we have in the app or on huh. the website, I guess? On the platform yeah so for the most part you know most most sites have the stuff that's on the app is and on the website is mostly the same there are a couple of things on the app that aren't on the website i think that's just like checklist but when we have stuff like a trip planner so if you're planning a trip you know like let's say you're going to yellowstone which you know since i'm on the western side of idaho you know that's that's quite a trip you know I, I have driven that in the day before, but, you know, if you're planning that trip and you're wanting to make it more enjoyable for the family, you know, you, we have a trip planner so you can put, you know, your destined, look for places in that area and what's along the path and, you know, show you a path along there and you can figure out what, where you want to stay and, you know, places that 
are available. Um, so that's one feature. We have listed a bunch of like dump sites for RVers to, you know, empty their sewage from their place, which is, I guess, a nice time um, as a host. You know, I, I do have host place hosted, um, but I don't actually have any real amenities that I can provide RVs. I mean, I could run an extension cord for just like, you know, the normal 15 amp or 20 amp uh, line, just, you know, the basic home outlet, but I don't provide that as, you know, as an amenity. So, and RVers, they don't need that necessarily. You know, most of them can go for, you know, a day or two without providing those, which is one of the cool things about RVers is they don't need to have, you know, they don't need a, a restroom. They don't need power. They don't need water. You know, the, the power and water especially are beneficial. And like I said, I could run, the, I could let them hook up to my, you know, water spigot and they could run an extension cord. But, you know, I don't have anywhere they could empty their septic tank. So, you know, we have dump sites for them so they could find a nearby one. Because there's actually just one just a couple of miles from my house in a city park where they could go and they can just empty their septic without having, without me having to provide that. So it provides that. And we also have a way for them to see other activities that are in the area, which, you know, I've gone in and we've added various activities. I've added some specifically for the Payette area. I know Aaron, he's added some as well, like some of the parks and um, golf courses and other activities around. Yeah, things are getting added to the website constantly. And so, and we're, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for those places. Any, again, if you're a host, like Jed's saying, you don't have to, if you're a potential host, you don't have to have those hookups. You don't have to have electricity. Sure, it'd be nice, but we offer information to where our viewers could actually see what's available on the property. And then knowing that if they're, like you're saying, if there's no dump sites at that particular location, they could search for a number of free dump sites or, or other dump sites that might cost a minimum charge or whatever uh, to where they could, you know, use, use those facilities. So it's, and that trip planner is huge. Like you were mentioning earlier, the trip planner is a great f- feature for RVers to, to actually plan. Those are the trip planners actually getting updated as we, as we speak. So probably the, the next update or so when we do the app, though, you'll notice those changes. If you're, again, we're constantly working on the app. We're constantly working on the, the website, the so the Kerbenter platform in general, we're always looking to, for improvements on those. Another thing that those might be interested that have an agribusiness, we started a challenge just recently within probably the last couple months. So if you go to www.agritourismchallenge.com, you'll be able to sign up. It's a five free five-day course in which we give you information on how to start an agritourism business. And not only that, how to make money off your property. And we give you a lot of cool tips and tricks about advertising, about marketing, how to work with your local government, how to look work. So there's just a lot of information that we're want to provide to, to hosts or property owners, especially that are looking to supplement their income. So I just want to thank Jed for being on our program today. Obviously we, we pretty much, a lot of our episodes, the employees 
of Curb and Turf, and that's for a reason. Just to get to, so you could get to know us. We want people to know how proud we are of the platform. Not only that, we want to help those out there understand what Curb and Turf is and what we do. We want to make sure that we help not only our hosts but our guests, which are typically are going to be our viewers. And so we're by providing that platform and providing this plat- podcast. That's what we're. That's our audience. And if if you guys ever have suggestions, go ahead and com- comment where you can. If it's on YouTube, on other other platforms where we have our podcasts, we appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you, Jed, joining us today, and uh, we look forward to to seeing you guys soon. So that's that's it for today's episode. Is there anything else that you wanted to go over, Jed, or do you think that's good enough for today? Yeah, I think that's good. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, it's good having you. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. All right. See you.